Hello everyone, so I want to talk about my life outside of crime moving forward. I'm not going to rehash anything of my childhood past because all the stories have been told, but this is what I do want to say. I do want to say that, um, and I'll mention this briefly, then I'll talk about how I'm going to be fighting crime moving forward and moving on. No, I shouldn't say moving on, moving on towards. So, I recognize that, you know, child me and adult me is in a theological gray area between believer and non-believer sometimes, and organized crime is the number one result of that. Um, I feel like at times I am... what is considered of being theologically eclectic, meaning that I am a mixture of secular and faith-based wrapped up in one person simultaneously everywhere I go at all times. I'm a secular adult with a faith-based kid inside. In other words, I'm a non-religious grown-up, but there's a Christian child internally when it comes to myself. And I recognize that um, I no longer feel shameful about these great of these theological great area eclectic um, parts of my childhood and my adulthood, and um, it's like. Child me is a believer, while adult me has moments of being an unbeliever, non-believer. I have moments overall. I um, cling on to an image of Jesus that's therapeutic to me. Um, which is a Jesus who can relate to a child abuse survivor like me, an adult abuse survivor like me, a Jesus who um, doesn't hellbound me because I am not society's norm. So the Jesus that my grandma presented to me is the one I hold on to. The Jesus that I was presented um, by the Pharisees, that's not the Jesus that I hold on to. Um, And now I want to talk about Um, my life moving forward after the crimes of my childhood. 
I have a heart for um, helping people who helping people in halfway houses um, so they won't feel like their soul is halfway so they won't feel like their mind is halfway so they won't feel like their heart is halfway so they won't feel like their bodies are halfway so they won't feel like their memories are halfway I want to help people in prison so they won't face metaphorical past imprisonment, metaphorical present imprisonment, metaphorical future imprisonment. Metaphorical in this case means that you're intellectually free, you're spiritually free, you're psychologically free, you're romantically free, you're sexually free. You're free in your career. You're emotionally free. You're financially free. You're academically free. You're mentally free. You're aesthetically free. You're recreationally free. You're con- you're, you face conflicts unashamedly. You face work boldly and you face your family, your friends, your colleagues, your co-workers proudly You face your talk buddies, hangout buddies, small talk buddies, and glance buddies without timidity. I want to teach that to inmates. And I feel that I can reduce death. I can reduce murders by stopping people from engaging in self-abuse, self-trauma, self-victimization, self-hatred, self-neglect, self-abasement, self-torture, and self-torment. I want to free people from self-dehumanization, self-objectification, self-sexual objectification, self-reification, not objectifying your own social relations, what that means. And I want to free people from self-commodification. I want to free people from self-demoralization and self-demonization. And the ways I want to do that is I want to be a part of um, rehabilitation programs for prisoners. I want to develop coalitions between the prison reform movement and the prison abolition movement. I have no problem with either movement. My only concern is what is the best way to protect people, the rest of our society, from those who do not want to change for the better? 
that's my only concern because I understand when people talk about the inhumanities that happen in prison, that's why they want to get rid of prisons. I get that, but the issue is how is the rest of the world going to be safe? Because just because there are people that don't want to change and don't want to be truly reformed, that doesn't mean they have to be around the rest of us. That's not being, that's not elitist tribalism on my part at all. That's discernment. Like, okay, there has to be a middle ground. If you're going to say no prisons, then how are the rest, how is the adults and most importantly the kids going to be safe from those who, because they don't want to change, they may want to cause kids to be like them by inflicting um, relentless compound traumas on the children more so than the adults. Then I understand where the prison reform movement is coming from because I'm like, well, you know, this is the best way to keep people safe from predators and perpetrators who don't want to clean their hearts up. Um, So they'll say, well, what we can do is rehabilitate them in jail just because they're behind bars physically they don't have to be behind bars internally. So there are things about both movements I really like. They both have a heart for self-reconciliation and they both have a heart for reconciliation with others. Reconciliation in this case does not mean things go back to the way they were. It means I don't have any animosity towards myself. And I can only hope that you don't have any animosity towards me. Right? I'm talking about um, the situation of imprisonment. Now, I want to help build, you know, bridge a gap of a bridge between those in favor of solitary confinement, solitary confinement and those against solitary confinement. What does that mean? It means that um, so often, to be honest with ourselves, um, some people are so dangerous, even in jail, that I could understand why they lock up someone for basically 23 hours, sometimes more than that. Sometimes more than a day of 24 hours. Then there are other people who feel like, but that's constraining and constricting a person's social development. That can cause um, arrested development in socially, communicationally, interpersonally. Um, so I think there needs to be a balance on that. Like, keep the other inmates safe, but at the same time, They need to have some people they can talk to that do hold them accountable, but at the same time, have a restorative heart towards them. And I want to help out with that. I think there's a lack of balance in the legal system. I think I can help and offer ideas based on what I've experienced. I think I want to build build a gap. I want to bridge the gap. I I didn't mean to say build a gap. I meant to say bridge the gap, right? 
I want I don't believe in building gaps, I believe in bridging gaps. I'm sorry I misspoke. Sometimes as a public communicator, podcaster, it happens. Um and I just learn from it and I keep growing. So I wanna build I wanna bridge a gap by between those in favor of the death penalty, those not in favor of the death penalty. Some people feel like, hey, some people are so evil, just legally kill them. And that way their evil physically ends. Well, some people feel like, well, in scripture, I've not two for two. Doesn't that violate, you know, the whole not begotten more evil uh, Rolodex of a domino effect of a chain, chain series of events? So I found a middle ground on that. I said, well... Let's try to keep the death penalty as as low as we can. Um, and I don't mean to be a party pooper. I feel like there will always be people in government that will find ways to kill certain people who, who clearly outrage society and not get charged for it. I think pe- there are people in government who will always come up with ways to loophole the system and to not ever get prosecuted or indicted for it. So I was like, okay, to be realistic, let's keep the death penalty as low as we can. Because I think that's a middle ground. That's my position on the, the issue um, and I think more rehabilitation, the more rehabilitation is offered, the more social programs, civil services, and public services are offered. And, you know, because after a while, if you're in jail and you can only see your loved ones when they come sometimes every now and then, then at some point you gotta say, hey, I need to accept these programs, right? Because this may be the only stability consistently that I have. So in this case, I feel like that the more we offer what people need in in jail, the more that the 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 less likelihood of capital punishment will occur. I think the problem is in a lot of prisons, they don't talk to people about what really happened to them when they were kids. Some do, but not enough do. I think they really need to have hard truths, hard conversations, and hard decisions made on, okay, this person grew up without a mother, without a father, without a fam- without an extended family, without an immediate family. Um... How can we give them that chosen family they need even though they're locked up like animals? And how do we cause people in prison to be protected from rapes and stabbings and muggings and violence? And this is the stuff I wanna work with um, legal experts and law enforcement on. I have such a heart for law enforcement. In the legal system, I have a heart for prisoners. I also have a heart for psych wards because psych wards are a lot like jail in every aspect. The only difference is in a psych ward, 
you're not behind bars. You have your own room and your door is what opens and closes of your own making. Because some people, psych wards in prison, some people get arrested on purpose because they're homeless. They may feel like, well, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anywhere to live. I have no constant food, no constant running water, no constant money. Let me go get myself arrested because if I know I go to jail, I'll always have clothes on. And after I shower in the prison, prison clothes get put on me. I I have a toilet. I have a roommate. I have lunchtime in prison. I may be able to play some basketball, socialize with other inmates. I got other people to talk to. And psych wars are are slightly different. The one I was in, we were in there all day. We were not let out ever. Um, We could be out of our rooms and in the common area. Um, We ate, watched TV pretty much. And I remember that time. Um, Some psych wards charge people. Um, I think my parents had to pay a fee because I remember seeing a bill of receipt for it. Um, But they had to pay. Some psych wards do that. Other psych wards, they admit people for free and go, well, this person is so financially destitute, no one gets charged. You know, it's free of charge of our services that... We provided for the person while they were here. And they'll really do that. If the person is financially destitute, but they're a good person. And they said, look, I I don't have my needs met. That's why I purposely did what was wrong just to get up here because I need people to talk to. I need my basic human needs met. I wanted food, water, and shelter. I got tired of just stinking and nobody cleaning me up physically and spiritually. So I want to help psych wards out with these issues. I have a heart for psych wards. I have a heart for prisons. I have a heart for the death penalty system. I have a heart for prisoners. I have a heart for hospitals. Um, I have a heart for... um, I have a heart to help families out because I think on the death penalty, I want to get back to it, I've always felt like that should be the victim and their family and loved one's decision. Like if they mostly agree or unanimously agree, okay, this person should be killed. I was like, well, at least make sure the victim first understands the severity of this and to say at any point you want to change your mind let us know before we schedule to do such and such in the death penalty sometimes that happens the victim at first was sure then they feel like they regret it and they should never be shamed for that other times the victim was like no and the person was spared and then the victim regretted letting them live some people don't regret letting the perpetrators live and some people regret letting the perpetrators live some people some victims have said okay give you know legally kill them and the victim's like this is a part of my healing but some victims feel like killing the perpetrator is not a part of their healing so that is a legal gray area 
um, that I think needs to be addressed. I've always felt like decisions such as how much time a person serves in prison and or psych wards should be the victim's decision, victim's family decision, and um, victim's loved one's decision. They have to all agree, you know what I mean, for it to be a um, conciliatory decision, you know, um, for them. And at the same time, I can understand the victimizer's family, victimizer's loved ones, and uh, pain. I definitely get that because that person may not have shown that side to them, but to everybody else. So at the same time, what they have to understand is duplicity is unacceptable in this case. It's not enough to be nice to your own loved ones. You got to be nice to other people's loved ones too. So I definitely want to help families with that. I think that's very important. Um, I think that truly matters because so many people um, actually, they grow up and they're just not experiencing that sense of spiritual shelter. What I mean by that is many people grow up in homes where addiction and abuse are the gods of that home. So when we fix homes, we're fixing communities, we're fixing government, we're fixing the medical care system, we're fixing the taxation system, fixing the education system, fixing the housing system. We're fixing the legal system. We're fixing the wor- the world of work system. We're fixing the entrepreneurial system. We're fixing the advocacy system. And I feel like we're even um, fixing The social, the social security, Medicaid, and Medicare systems too. Um, because when you have unemployment, underemployment, you have rising crime. When you have um, failing miserably educational facilities, rising crime. And that means when you have Inadequate hospitals and inadequate medical staff, again, rising crime. When you are lacking fair, humane wages and you're not able to be paid to do your hobbies, you don't even get paid hobbies, rising crime. When you have public figures who are allowed to say, do whatever crimes they want, without impunity then there's rising crime so I want to help the legal system to understand that 
these ways are just unacceptable, right? And I want to work, I want to build coalitions with them. And, um, I just feel like overall I have what it takes and um, I just want to say thank you for letting me share.